Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ask Brian Radio Show on KHS 1220 in 98.1 FM. Well, every week we have a show. We've been doing this show. Our pilot was back in December of 2016. That's seven years ago. And we had started the show first week in January 2017. And we've been running ever since. Every Thursday. 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we have a show called Ask Brian. Ask Brian is a business show where we try to bring on people to either A, teach you about something about business, or just a founder or creator who has done something with business to try to create success. Now, at the moment, we do have a small technical issue, but it's not going to affect our show. But my co-host, Tracy, is unavailable. However, however, every week, People want to know why is Ask Brian spelled A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N? Because most people say when they went to school, Brian was spelled B-R-I-A-N or B-R-Y-A-N. Why is it spelled B-R-I-E-N? I mean, they may have said, well, you know, I occasionally go down to the pub and that's O'Brien's and they have a, a nice piece of beer or whatever they have there. And so I go there and St. Patty's Day, I always see a lot of O'Brien's. But why is your show called Ask Brian, B-R-I-E-N? And there are a lot of reasons why we have an E in Brian. One of which is the way our show is conducted each week, we use an engineer and she is handling the entire operation here. <laughs> She's in charge. She tells me what to do. Well, I try. I try. <laughs> and I never listen. But, Within reason. But I've never listened to anyone. My mom said this. Anyone says this. I don't have yeah, right. That Give doesn't me surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Also with an E. Exactly. So one of the reasons why we have Ask Brian besides the engineer is we do try to educate people each week. So we may have somebody on a Facebook expert. We may have, like today, we have the parallel economy. Not to get confused with the parallel universe. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, so we've got a lot of reasons why we have an E. But also, as a radio host, I am very, very, very enthusiastic and excited <laughs> for our show. And having said that, I did miss one E, which I should have used before I started getting excited with enthusiasm, which was empathy. Because we do try to empathize with others. We're empathizing right now. Where our technical gear is just, maybe, can you have a blah, blah, blah? <laughs> no, you don't have a blah, uh, blah, blah. Let's see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's that our works. technical yeah. stuff. We're yeah. going to get a call out to somebody <laughs> in the KHTS technical department. We also have a lot of other reasons. We have experts. Everybody that's on our show is an expert. Well, what does that mean? Well, we used to do, when we started out the show, we said we wanted somebody that has five years' experience. So we calculated that out. We said if you're working 40 hours a week, 50 weeks a year, that's 2,000 hours. For five years, that's 10,000 hours. We decided, you know what? 10,000 hours 
after you've worked five years at anything, you pretty much know it pretty well. My first five years as a lawyer took me a while to get everything down, but after five years, yeah, I learned new stuff. But reality-wise, 95% of what I know, I learned in my five years. I occasionally learn new things. And for most businesses, most professions, if you do something for five-year time frame, or in this case, 10,000 hours, which is not always, always the same. For instance, anyone who here is an entrepreneur, another E, realizes that they're not going to get 10,000 hours in five years because if they did, they'd be working so slowly that they couldn't pay their rent. But the reality is, as an entrepreneur, you have to be on top of things, and you probably are going to accomplish that goal probably in two to three years. So it's a much, much quicker process. And then my co-host, who still is out of control and out of the office, she loves that from the TV show or movie, Grease Lightning. And she goes, Grease Lightning is electrifying. electrifying. That's right. And she also was in Georgia and East Coast, so I can say electrifying <laughs> like an Alabaman. Anyway, now, now, without any further ado, that means without any other interruptions or explanations, we're going to go in and speak to our guest today. David, are you there? Hi. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Great. Classic. Well, first, let's go a little bit about your background, and then we'll get into your company and what you're doing. So can you give the audience a little bit of your background? You know, I don't need from the time you were in diapers, but, you know, basically <laughs> your business experience. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm a native Angelino. I grew up here in Los Angeles. I went to Loyola High School, and then for my undergrad, I went to Claremont McKenna, where I did economics and classics, and then... I actually lived abroad for about 10 years, mainly in Asia, and I worked in finance and in on CNBC Squawk Box Asia, huh. which was a fun time. And then I got my master's in public policy at the Lee Kuan Yew School in Singapore, and then I ended up back here where I went to work for Live Nation on the North America Festival team, which was a lot of fun. And I learned quite a lot about the sort of the economics of festivals, which is uh, a little bit different than what one might think. And then a few years ago, I became part of this team that became what is now called the Mandates, which organized the big Defeat the Mandates rallies in D.C. in January of 2022 at the Lincoln Memorial. And then a few days after that, mandates started coming down, even in D.C. And then we did another big one in L.A. And we had lots of other things. We were doing smaller events. And then last March in Atlanta, we produced the first COVID litigation conference, which was very successful. And now we are working to make the parallel economy more understandable to people. and easier to enter. Well, first of all, let's start with that. Not everybody knows what the parallel economy is. We know what parallel is and we know what economy, but we don't know what that means. So first, try to explain to the audience what is the parallel economy. Yeah, and that's a very common question. We're very new in this. So if you don't know what the parallel economy is, you shouldn't feel like you're behind the eight ball because you're not. This is a very new space. 
the parallel economy are just alternatives to major corporations that are incredibly centralized and a little bit monopolistic, right? So everyone, I'm sure, has heard of cryptocurrency or Bitcoin. Those would be considered in the parallel economy because what you're doing is you're trying to engage in financial transactions away from the mainstream corporate economy, right? So you can actually apply that various industry types. And you have different demographics of people who are interested or who have been pushed into the parallel economy. For example, you have a lot of people who have been very suspicious or upset about, for example, the actions of the Federal Reserve Bank since the Great Recession in 2008. And they were the first adopters of crypto, Bitcoin, right? Then you had social conservatives towards the end of the Obama, all during Trump and everything, where they felt that they were being constantly hated on and attacked by different marketing campaigns by big companies. And so they thought, hey, why am I spending my hard-earned money at such and such company when their marketing tells me that they actually don't value me? So instead, I want to create four brands that share my values. So that's a second big group that entered the parallel economy. A third group, which is where we come out of, is from the health freedom movement, right? Where so many millions of Americans were censored, deplatformed, debanked just because of their opinions surrounding one or another of the COVID policy. And I don't have to get into the specifics of that, but just that we as a country in the last few years experienced the first like top-down censorship campaign and trying to get people shut off their bank accounts or different B2B services. And we had never experienced anything quite like that in the digital age. Now, I'm sure in the past, like during World War II or World War One or whatever, there may have been different types of that going on. But this was the first time in the digital age where you could express a legal opinion on Facebook and then all of a sudden go to your bank account and find that your bank has decided that they no longer want you as a customer. And so a lot of people during the pandemic were thrown into the parallel economy, not by choice, not because they felt they weren't being marketed to in a way that appealed to their values, but because they had no other option. So now that we have these three big groups, right? And so what we're doing at Replatform is, and these groups have lots of differences with each other, but we're bringing them all together for the first time at a trade show and conference so that we can A, build a better parallel economy, that is B, more accessible to people who don't even know what it is. Now, this is different than the underground economy, correct? The underground economy? Yeah. So, the, so if, yeah. So, the under, so this is nothing illegal. So, sometimes, and this is a bit confusing for people, uh, in before crypto, the most common use of the word parallel economy would be underground economy or the illegal economy, right? So like illegal drug dealing, everything like that. The parallel economy is different. The parallel economy simply means an alternative to a mainstream, corporate, more centralized, more monopolistic 
good or service, right? So I, I have a question because you, you mentioned Bitcoin, right? Now, Bitcoin mm-hmm. is a huge billion, I don't know if it's trillion, but it's billions and billions of dollars, right? And when you talk about the parallel economy, most times you talk about smaller businesses, right? And yet Bitcoin right. is tremendous. So how does Bitcoin, a billion-dollar business, fit in with the parallel economy, which is typically smaller? Well, the parallel economy, so it is smaller in the sense that it's newer, and so you have the companies that explicitly define themselves as parallel economy are by definition going to be smaller than their established, like more mainstream corporate competitors. But it doesn't mean that everything in the parallel economy is necessarily smaller valuation, right? So obviously, the biggest part of the parallel economy currently is your alternative finance, your crypto, your Bitcoin, right? But also, Bitcoin isn't like a company, right? It's not centralized. So while the total value, it's a commodity in a way, right? So, you know, you could also say that in a sense, gold, gold is a very parallel economy item too, and that has a great total value of it. So it's not exactly apples to apples. Right. So one Bitcoin you want to look at more as like a commodity as opposed to like a company or a brand. Now, your company's what? Replatform? Yeah, Replatform Vegas. Okay. So my first question is I kind of feel like partially this is like a movement, you know, a political movement maybe. And so is is that what this is? Is this a political movement? How would you describe it? Definitely. For some people, like anything, you know, the same thing we saw in tech, you know, when we saw 10, 12, 14 years ago, at like, if you were to go to South by Southwest in like 2010, you'd find some people who were there to make money and you would find some people who genuinely thought they were on some type of spiritual path with these startups. So from our perspective, there are definitely going to be people who are, are Rachel and Conference or in the larger parallel economy based on values, based on politics, based on maybe the way that they were treated by a mainstream corporate company. But there's also going to be plenty of people there who are there because they see it as an opportunity. So it's a, it's, it's a mixed bag. But your company, Replatform, is it a membership platform? Is it a subscription platform? No, we are putting, we're producing these in-person events for people to connect, to learn, to exhibit, to network about the parallel economy. So do you try to influence legislation? You know, we have, there are plenty of people who are more influential than us who are on the policy side, right? And there's a wide variety of policies that people in the parallel economy would take. And so we're not particularly interested to try to get into that. We just want to bring people together, create some joy, and spark more innovation and quality in the parallel economy. And we'll leave the politics to other people. So is the main function then of Replatform to have events? Yeah. So right now, I mean, we, we are going to be coming out with a few tax solutions, but what we really want to do is we're of the belief that the 
innovation that's necessary for the parallel economy is going to be an in is going to initially develop based on this in person coming together. And again, I hate to keep harping on this, but we saw this. You see this in every industry, whether it's something that I witnessed when working at Live Nation on the festival team, or you saw in tech. There is something about bringing together some of the greatest minds and talents in a field over several days. And it's really hard to put into words what gets created, but a lot of really amazing things happen because of that. So I'm a big, and I know that, you know, when we're in the post-pandemic era, everyone's like a little weary. They're like, oh, what's going to happen? But, you know, I'm a big booster for in-person trade show and conferences. Well, actually, that's a quickie question is, you know, (laughs) during COVID, everybody was doing Zoom and remote. So, I mean, can you only attend the conference in person or can you do this by remote? Well, we are, so we're going to, so there's a, you know, so you can't, you can't attend remote. I mean, that's not going to be, to be honest, a great experience, but we are definitely going to be broadcasting the educational part of our conference. But again, the most important part is to be on that trade show floor. And so that's what we're really focusing on. And about how many events do you think you'll have per year? We're looking at what it depends. Right now, we are having two in March. We think that we could reasonably, within a three-year time frame, possibly scale up to five. It really depends on a few things, but I I don't think, you know, even uh, on the festival team at Live Nation, right, we were a massive, Live Nation, the biggest event promoter in the world, and then, of course, the Ticketmaster, and with all the venues and data and and teams and artists and everything, it actually had to split even just festivals. We weren't the only festival team at Live Nation because you couldn't have, like, one division or one team do over, like, maybe six a year. It's just for one company, it just becomes, you end up losing a lot of joy of the events when they get scaled at that level. So people were asking over the uh, intermission, you know, they got a little bit of information about this parallel economy. They weren't too familiar with it, but they wanted to understand you are a business, right? So how do you bring in revenue? Well, we bring revenue through sponsorship, exhibitor fees, and general admission ticket, just ticket sales. And how do you get the word out? We have quite a few people in our movement. So we market through influencers, through our own, you know, we have email lists, we have social media. It's a broad marketing strategy. Do you do any uh, advertising on the internet, like PPC and Facebook advertising? So we don't. We found that like what our market is craving is authenticity. So what we do is we create a lot of our own content and we find that that's more that catches our customers or potential customers. Um, and I'm going to repeat a word I used in a more authentic way that calls to them because the parallel economy, if we take out crypto is still so young that it's not really something that, for instance, 
talking about the parallel economy is less important than talking about the companies and brands within the parallel economy. So the way that you can sort of view Replatform Vegas is think of us as like a B2B service for companies in the parallel economy. And so it, so our advertising and our marketing strategy is going to be very different because our primary goal is to get companies to realize the value of getting into the parallel economy and then pushing out those companies, right? So we don't want to get too meta in the advertising because, frankly, the space isn't there yet. But you have to have a certain amount of advertising budget because, you know, to bring in the email, even to send out emails to people, you have to build a list, sure, right? Sure, we we do, and we have we're very targeted about that, and we do have various campaigns that are both national, regional, and then obviously local to the Las Vegas area. I don't want to mention some of your competitors, so I won't name drop them, but yeah, so it is. It's just more that we are looking for decision makers, right? And that whether it's someone who has a company with, you know, 50 employees, whether it's a startup company that just received their first round of funding, or whether it's someone who just has an idea that they've, you know, they were accidentally canceled by their bank or their Stripe account or whatever. And they're like, you know what, I could make an app or a product that would solve this problem I'm having, but I just have an idea, and I don't know what to do with this idea. Come to Replatform Vegas, and we can show you what to do. So it's not necessarily something that, like, if you're, you know, working some office job in, I don't know, San Bernardino, and, you know, you're just consuming regularly, To be honest, I don't know that this would be the conference for you. The people who want to come to our conference are people who realize that the current American economy isn't working for them, that there are real problems with it. And if we don't change things, it's going to get really, really bad, right? And frankly, I don't know if the majority of people in America are there yet. And so we're not going to, like, frankly, waste our precious advertising dollars trying to do this, like, broad net over the ocean. Right. We know where our fish are and they're swimming to us. And so it's a bad type of play. And if you can tell me, you may not be able to tell me how, how many subscribers do you have or people. On so, yeah, so we don't have subscribers. <laughs> we have, we're not a subscription based service, though. There is a potential tech solution. So we may get there. So we are basically projecting 2000 attendees. And I'm going to give you a broad range here, anywhere from 100 to 180 exhibitors and probably about like probably 18 sponsors, including, I don't know if, do you know Gab Pay or the Parallel Card? Have you talked to Dan Eddy yet? He's a great guy who's setting up alternative payment systems. I mean, I have, I have Cash App. That's about as far as I've gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you should, you should look at, Parallel card and Gab Pay, or at least have Dan Eddy on. He's, uh, you know, a lot of people are having problems with some of these more uh, larger payment apps. But it's companies like that that are sponsoring our conference. So we discussed it, but I'm still a little confused. You know, that's a lot of people, right? So how do you get 
first of all, you started what, two years ago? How many years ago did you start? So we're actually a new startup. We started up, we incorporated in June this year, but our team, we've been working together since August of 2021. Like I said, on the defeat the mandate rallies and COVID litigation. So. Right. But that's two years. And to have that many exhibitors. Okay. I mean, yeah. listen, if I wanted to have a conference tomorrow, you know, unless I spend a lot of money in advertising. Okay. Or I have a list of people that are on my email list. It is not so simple to just create something like that and get yeah. that many people. So I'm just trying to, and, and yeah, some of our well, use, so yeah. this is what we're all, all touch back into something you previously asked. So uh, like our work in Defeat the Mandates, we were able to work with a lot of people and a lot of companies that were at the company level fighting the mandates. So that gave us a pretty large group of businesses, uh, mainly small, but not all and allies and, frankly, friends of the things we were doing. So we've been very lucky that we've been able to pull from this core. You can call it the health freedom movement, but it includes more than, like, companies that are selling health products. You know, when we we were the first group to create, like, a a way out of the mandates for so many companies, and we're very grateful that those companies that we've helped are really eager to participate in this parallel economy trade show and conference. So it's not that we, we didn't start with like a blank page. We obviously started with our existing network of people and companies and entrepreneurs and business people that we had been assisting Right. And so in a way, yeah, you can say, well, since what, June, July of 2021, but the intensity, it was sort of like being in the trenches for someone, right? Like it could take you 10 years to get to know someone that you sit next to in a cubicle, right? But if you two are sharing a trench together in like a war, you're going to have a much deeper and quicker, you know, affinity for each other. And during the mandate and during the pandemic, that's what we were able to build out with a lot of our business allies in our health freedom movement. So we were able to launch from that into the parallel economy. And we're so grateful for all the businesses that frankly stood up for freedom and liberty and the ability to not be forced to impose mandates or censorship on their customers. Right. We know that a lot of big corporations were more than happy to institute not even just the mandates, but censorship and deplatforming when whether it was the government or there was an article in the newspaper. But really helpful thing in terms of building out a better economy for America within the parallel economy is there are so many businesses that refuse to do that. There are so many businesses that when like the New York Times or the LA Times did a hit piece, like how could you allow some of your customers to say this or believe this? So many businesses in America actually stood up for their customers. And we don't really hear that story very often. We hear the story about the companies 
who are like, oh, yep, we're going to ban that person. We're going to kick that person out. We're going to tell that customer they can no longer be your customer. But again, and I'm going to repeat this, so many businesses stood up for our rights. And that's part of the story we're going to tell at Lead Platform. That, like, don't despair. The spirit and the hope that built this country is still there and it still exists in the business community of this country. Now, Jen had... Where's the drum roll? Uh, you don't have a drum roll? Come on. There we go. All right. Okay. That's a long drum roll. It was a long drum roll. Well, uh, David, uh, I do want to preface this by saying I don't have any kind of legal knowledge, legal education, business education, but I'm listening to the conversation here today. And the one thing that kind of popped in my head was I was just wondering if like now we're on the flip side of all of the COVID restrictions for the most part, obviously. Does that change the way that some of your participants are, are approaching their businesses? Are they kind of changing their angle, if you will? Yeah. So I, so I want to make it clear the businesses that are moving into the parallel economy. It's not just a reactive thing like, oh, I couldn't do X because of the law. And it really actually had relatively little to do with the actual, actual like lockdown or physical restrictions. It is more in response to the censorship, the cancellation, the deplatforming and debanking that occurred around discussion of these policies, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and once you've rung that bell, it's hard to unring it. Right. And I think that it, a lot of people were frankly frightened and are like, I don't want to live, I don't want to work and trade and conduct business fearful that at any time I could be canceled, not in terms of like some type of social media shaming, but by my bank. Right. Right or by a supplier, or by some B2B service. And that's not necessarily related to whatever, like, you know, physical or health measures that were taken. That was about more around the actual lack of free speech and everything that occurred surrounding the pandemic. I see. So is there something that would trigger a termination? Or what you have, right? Is it something like, okay, you know, there aren't any more COVID restrictions, right? Mm-hmm. Freedom has been restored. Okay. Is there an end game where, okay, something happens and the movement would go away? Or is this something like, it no, doesn't matter. No, it can I never, think, it can I never think end. Basically, the movement only disappears when people have options away from a lot of these monopolistic companies and corporations that are just increasingly controlling every aspect of our lives, right? So I guess to answer your question, the parallel economy only ceases to be the parallel economy when it becomes the normal economy, and then we'll have to find a new name for it or no name for it. But that's going to take a minute. So. <laughs> <laughs> it won't happen before a conference in March. <laughs> and certainly not before the end of this show. No, sir. <laughs> All right, David. So People want to know how they can do two things. One, how can they register for the next conference in the Horseshoe Horseshoe at Las Vegas in March? How do they do that? Well, they just go to replatformvegas.com, and they can learn all about it. They can register for tickets to exhibit as well as reach out and contact us. That's replatformvegas.com. 
And what if they want to connect with you? Is there an option to do that? Yep, we have an option to do that there. When you say there, you mean at the website to register? Yep, there's a, yep, there's a contact, and we filter it. So if you want to leave me individually a message, it will get to me. It's the fastest way to reach out to me. Okay, that, that's great. And to all listeners, and actually to you, David, as well, we are on a podcast version, as well, and that usually comes out about 10 days, although with, with the Christmas holidays, it might be a little longer. Engineers are busy, but usually within 10 days out, we have a podcast version. The podcast version has no commercials and is slightly different. It's about five or 10 minutes shorter because we don't have the commercials. But that podcast version will be coming out. It'll be on Spotify, Apple, um, anywhere you can get a podcast or listen to a podcast. It'll be available. And David, when it does come out, will send you a copy with a link. And maybe you can tell people on Ray Platform if they want to listen to it again. Here it is, and here's the link. And so you can share it with the people that are, are participating in the replatform.com. Yeah, that'd and be awesome. Thank you. That'd be great. So I wanted to continue on, on our conversation here. Now, getting back to my last question is um, if vaccinations are allowed, you know, and people can make their own decisions, whatever. I mean, that's only part of the platform. The parallel economy is completely different. Now, is there anything other than, when you say adoption, are there main things that you want to see adopted? I mean, I think maybe the alternatives like Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, that would be a, a currency issue. What other things besides that and, you know, the vaccinations, whatever, what other things would you like to see happening for you? Yeah, and I do want to make a point. So we're not taking a position on vaccination. So we came out of the Defeat the Mandates movement, and we had people who were vaccinated and unvaccinated. So it's really about being forced into these things. So, you know, everyone is allowed to have their own opinion on the vaccinated, vaccinated, unvaccinated. But to your direct question... So the things that we want to see adopted is we want to see more decentralized options for American consumers and businesses and decision makers so that when given an option, they can exercise that, right? That like, you know, you've read all the stuff, how there are like six companies that control 90% of the media, you know, the banking and it even goes to something like our meat. How, you know, compare the number of meat packers we have 50 years ago to today. It's gone way down. We have what, like five or four, right? That's why we're having a lot of food companies at Repotform. We want to provide people, we want to return to them the option as consumers, as businesses, as investors that Americans have always enjoyed, but in the last, you know, few decades, has sort of been removed from us. Uh, we, we don't have much time, but to me, that sounds like you want to get away from federalism and more into republic, which is how the founders originally started this country. Of course, when you have Congress and people in federal government in Washington, D.C., making decisions, it's hard to get to where you're, where you're talking about and hard to believe that we can never get that low where local governments are going to be making those decisions. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. Thank you, David. We appreciate it. We'll have you on again. You're listening to KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM, The Ash Bryant Show. Over and out!
Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian radio show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.